It's, uh, it's their second grandchild, but uh, their son and daughter-in-law. And uh, everybody is safe and sound. They have a little Freddie, who's 8 pounds, 11 ounces. So fantastic, and we rejoice with you. We really do. It's going to be my last uh, opportunity to actually uh, preach here, uh, as in in this place, on a Sunday night, because next week, of course, we've got the visit of David Hind, and then the week after, we're hoping to be in um, the Lehman Street venue. And uh, so I just thought it would be appropriate, and Phil had just said to me, I think it's just appropriate for, for me to just share something um, uh, tonight. And um, I just really wanted, Anne said to me, uh, just before the ministry, says, uh, what are you speaking about? I said, I have no idea. I said, you haven't got a message, have you, that I can bring? I was joking, and she says, oh, you're terrible, you are, and all the rest. I said, we're going to talk about the continuation of the journey, the continuation of the journey. Now, it's not going to be rocket science tonight. It's not going to be as in uh, show-stopping. I've not uh, uh, written the, the message for that. I just want to endeavor to just lay in some principles again that you'll know, you'll, you'll have heard them before, um, but it's not old stuff. I want it to be, that's why I prayed with a real freshness that comes to our lives without that tripping me over. So um, that's, that's my endeavor tonight. But before we, we, we get into the Bible, I want to, I'm going to have it, have it on the screen in a moment. When I talk about the continuation of the Mansfield journey, what am I talking about? Because I'm mindful there are those who are fully aware of that. And then there's other people who may say, I have no idea what you're on about. Well, the reality is we knew that uh, the church was, uh, if I can be as blunt as this, it was in decline, as we knew at the old Boston Street uh, Church. And uh, we don't want to go back to, back to recover the whole step by step, but we had the opportunity to talk with the trustees, Phil and I, and it was just a great joy to be able to um, just say to the church on that uh, July the 4th that actually Arena Church, Ilkeston, was uh, going to, if I can use this phrase, I use it carefully but rightly, rebrand and repurpose and refocus the church. And it was no longer going to be called Bosler Street. It was going to be called Arena Church Mansfield. It was going to be an extension of, of Arena Church. And so during September 2010, we launched off. We launched off here in the football ground where we sat today. We've been in another location, uh, uh, which is the, the towers. We've been there two or three times. One time when, because we were locked out and everybody was thinking, where are we going to go? And it was just great to see God's hand at work in that. Some people said the football ground wouldn't work. Well, it has. When, when some of us, when uh, we were on this journey of, of repurposing church and obviously going to the towers. I think there were some people looking on and thinking there. We told them they've been locked out and that must be, you know, the God closing the doors. It wasn't. All right, it wasn't. It was just a man who hadn't paid his rent and he got locked out. It had nothing to do with us. We've had letters. We've had emails. And a phone call or two prophesying our demise. Telling us how wrong we are to take the church from Bosworth Street and I want to say, all we've ever wanted to be, the leadership, when I say we, the leadership, all we've ever wanted to be is pure-hearted. I did write down in it, all we wanted to be was right, but that would have sounded arrogant. What I meant was, we just wanted to be right. All we've ever, ever had is a heart to be pure-hearted in this. And so, it took us to the point where we've seen a little bit of growth. There's some people who've come, and then there's some people who've gone. There's some people who've actually said, we've been here for a few months, and we don't like something, so now they've gone on, and we have to wave them goodbye. 
We haven't grown as dramatically as I probably would have liked over these two years. Because, you know, many, are, many of you get to know me and do know me. I'm incredibly impatient. So instead of just seeing 20 people, I'm saying, God, why aren't we seeing hundreds of people? And I have to remind myself that actually, if we want to uh, build tall, we've got to dig deep. And actually, what God has been doing over this period of time is just preparing the hearts and minds of individuals. I've seen many of you grow. I've seen many of you have advanced. I've seen many of you just come into just a a new life in Christ. It's been wonderful for us to watch and behold, it really has. And so here we are, there's 50, 60 of us that meet here on a Sunday night, which is absolutely fantastic. And the continuation of the journey has brought us to the point where actually that eventful day on Tuesday the 19th of March where you had no idea where Phil and I and Steve were going to be going but we went to Sheffield United Football Club and uh, a bag of nerves with the promise from the bank of helping us with regards to a mortgage but not knowing if we were going to win this property and the eventful day led us by two o'clock, we'd actually won the auction and we were the proud owners. And again, I say that very carefully, the proud owners of the old cinema complex on Lehman Street. Absolutely wonderful. But we continue the journey. And we need to be reminded of some very important things. Because I am very, very mindful that the enemy, and I don't want to make this message about the enemy, but we must be mindful of the enemy The enemy comes and he wants to set ambushes. I want to tell you the ambushes, very often, more often than not, churches don't fall to bits by immorality, by adultery, by people having their hands in the till. That does happen, but that is very, very small. I want to say the the majority of the time churches fail and implode is because the enemy sets ambushes and they're ambushes of distraction and discouragement. And I want to say to us tonight, the main thing is to keep the main thing, the main thing. And what I want to do is just take two passages of scripture, one larger passage that we're going to read together, and hopefully we can have it on the screen that will help you to just read it through, and it will be able to gather your thoughts. And then the second one, I just want to use a verse from Paul that writes to the church at Rome. So the first passage we're going to look at is Jesus talking to the 12. It's the first time he sent them out on their own. They've now seen Jesus at work. They've seen how he, how he talks. They've seen how he acts. They've observed how he's ministered. They see, not the method, they've, they've, they've seen the man. And they see how, what their mandate is to be. And then Jesus calls the 12... And we'll pick this up in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 5. And hopefully you can see it behind me. And I'll just go for it, Anne, and you'll just have to follow on. He says this, Jesus sent his 12 harvest hands out with this charge. He says, don't begin by traveling to some far off place to convert unbelievers. And don't try to be too dramatic by tackling some public enemy. Go to the lost. Confuse people right here in the neighborhood. Tell them that the kingdom is here. I want to announce to you, the kingdom of God is here. It has come. It has come. Bring health to the sick. What a mandate. (laughs) Raise the dead. (laughs) Touch the untouchables. That gets me every time. There are untouchables in our community in Mansfield. Nobody wants to touch them. 
And I think we need to get our hands around them. I think we need to father them. I think we need to mother these people. And I'm talking to some of you younger guys as well. Some younger people who are going to come along, they need mothering and they need fathering. Kick out the demons. (laughs) You've been treated generously, so live generously. Don't think you have to put on a fundraising campaign before you start. You don't need a lot of equipment. I love his language. You are the equipment. And all you need to keep that is going is three meals a day. Travel light. I've got a message about that, traveling light, but that's for another day. When you enter a town or village, don't insist on staying in a luxury inn. Get a modest place with some modest people and be content there until you leave. When you knock on a door, be courteous in your greeting. If they welcome you, be gentle in your conversation. If they don't welcome you, quietly withdraw. Don't make a scene. Shrug your shoulders and be on your way. You can be sure that on judgment day they'll be mighty sorry, but it's no concern of yours now. Stay alert. This is hazardous work I'm assigning you. You're going to be like a sheep running through a wolf pack. So don't call attention to yourselves. Be as cunning as a snake, inoffensive as a dove. What a fantastic call that Jesus brought to these 12 men. And it was the continuation of their journey. If you're taking notes, it's the continuation of their journey. And I want to just take in a, in a moment some principles. But before we do that, there was another verse that I just want to bring to you. And it's found in Romans in chapter 12 and verse 11. It's one of my personal favorites. And Romans 12 is a very, very important chapter. And I'd love to spend more time there. But because we've spent a lot of time reading through Matthew 10, I just want to pick out one verse. Because Paul is speaking, communicating, writing to the church at Rome. And he says to them, church, never be lacking in zeal. But keep your spiritual further serving the Lord. Never be lacking in zeal, church. But keep your spiritual further serving the Lord. Now the main thing is to keep the main thing The main thing. Are you getting that? So there are some things we need to understand in the continuation of our journey. Jesus was saying to the 12, these are some important things that you need to give careful attention to in the continuation of your journey. Paul speaks to the church at Rome and says there are some things in the continuation of your journey you need to give careful attention to as you move forward. And I really feel that God wants to just say to us there are some very important things that we need to give careful attention to in the continuation of of our journey. I don't want to get as dramatic as we're crossing over because we've already crossed. And by, by the way, that message has been done about 12, 13 years ago. And anybody knows what I'm talking about, yeah, you'll, you'll know it. But that thing's done. But the reality is, God wants us to continue our journey. And I really want to just take the, the word from what Paul writes to the church at Rome and use it as a basis to just say nine things. Now, this is very unusual for me because I'm normally struggling to get one thing, never mind nine. And the last thing I wanted to do is try and mimic this man because I'll look an absolute plonker if I try and do that. So that is not the reason why I've gone for nine things, but I really as was just preparing my heart, working them through. There were nine particular things. In fact, there was more than nine, but I just narrowed them down and just tried to drop some other things in. And I want to use the word of passion. 
Because Paul writes, never lag in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. And God wants us to live with passion. There are nine areas that I think that we need to give our attention to in the continuation of our journey. Are you listening to me? Are you seat belted? Have you got your popcorn at the ready? Have you got your cup of Coke? All right? I'm talking about the Coca-Cola kind, not the other kind, if anybody's ever had issues there. Anyway, somebody got it. Okay. The first thing I want to say is this, that we need to have a passion. Arena Church, we need to have a passion for character, not for charisma. A passion for character, for right living. What am I talking about? Jesus said to, 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 to the hearers, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees, then it's worthless. Now, it's an interesting thought, that is, because actually he had a lot to say negatively about the Pharisees. But what Jesus was trying to say is, look, there's a higher bar, and we've taught this, that actually I'm bringing you into. I want us in the journey, the continuation of our journey, to live out of character and right living. Character is more important than charisma. I'll say it again. Character is more important than charisma. Now, I want to say we love charisma as well. We're going to have two guest speakers coming through who are full of charisma. David Hind is full of charisma. He will wow you as well with his singing and his playing. If we get him doing that, he's just terrific. And we've all know John. John is a charismatic leader, isn't he? He's a wonderful man of God. But I want to say the reason why we've invited them is not because of their charisma. It is because of their character character. Every time I've appointed out of charisma a leadership role and not out of character, I've fallen flat on my face. Character is so important to me and needs to be so important to us. You see, character is when we're giving careful attention to attitudes of the heart like, and we all know these things, but listen to me, jealousy, showing off, now, some of you aren't show-offs, but some of us are, by nature. Being oversensitive. Taking offense. Gossiping. Getting angry. These are the things that trip up churches. I'll say it again. It's not adultery. It's not handing the offering. They're not usually the things that, that trip up churches. Things that trip up churches... Uh, Mrs. Brown, excuse me because I know there were some Browns here. Mrs. Brown has a problem with Mrs. Smith and they've never resolved it and it keeps rumbling on and then son gets it and then daughter-in-law gets involved. Are you hearing me? You say, that would never happen in Arena Church. Well, the thing's going to grow and have life in it. There's people who are going to marry and we've just got to keep a lid on those things. We've got to make sure that our hearts, our character is rock solid. We've got to make sure that we're not going to have any gossip. We're not going to have any fooling around. We're not going to have any showing off. We're not going to be oversensitive. If we've got to say something, then we say it in a right way, but we say it. And if we we have got upset with somebody, we're going, sort it out. Are you hearing me? These are the characters, characteristics that I want to keep the main thing, the main thing. I've got nine things, so I, can't, I could stay forever on these, but we'll have to move quickly. Secondly, we need to have a passion, listen to my language, for creative, 
evangelistic endeavors. We need to have a passion for creative, evangelistic endeavors. We've got to allow God to speak to us in such a way that prophetically we're able to outreach to this broken world. We mustn't get into the trap that you think we'll do a Christian Britain's Got Talent and that'll bring them in. Because that doesn't work like that. We need God to speak to us creatively so we keep evangelistic endeavors on the forward, on the forward foot of, of everything. I want to tell you, and I really do believe this, and I don't want to sound conceited, and Phil said this to me before, but while I am here, I will always make sure we have evangelistic endeavors at the forward thrust of all that's happening in Arena Church. Because it's not about you. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about the world. It's about the world. It's about, Jared, the conversations with your pals that I'll never reach. That's what it's about. This here tonight is bringing fuel to you to launch you out to go and do what you need to do. Now you're going to get that in your private time, but also you need this corporately. And he knows that. That's why he belongs to a local church. And we need to have it creatively. We mustn't get caught in the trap of saying, well, it's got to be the same way. How we did it? Why don't we go back to open airs and open air preaching? I'm okay with open air stuff in the right context. But please, yeah, Titchfield Park is a classic example. But please don't start talking to me about a man on a street corner with a Bible preaching away because you say, and you say, well, it worked for Wesley. Yeah, but how many hundreds of years ago was that? It was radical then. But what is God wanting to do now? So creative evangelistic endeavors. Now, it may be that God speaks to us specifically and says, I want you to do an open air. That's fine, because we're responding to the prophetic. But let's not just assume. Are you hearing me tonight? I'm not against open air preaching. Please don't hear that. That's where I cut a lot of my teeth in open air preaching. You may say, well, it shows. Well, fine. You see, we have to understand the world in which we live. There's a telling verse in Chronicles. It talks about the men of Issachar who understood the times. I've done a bit of reflection over this week again. I'm thinking, how relevant are we really in our evangelistic endeavors? It's going to be a big question that I'm going to keep asking of, of, of everything that we do at Arena Church. How are we going to reach the masses? How are we going to touch the 100,000 people that live in and around Mansfield? Evangelistically. How are we going to make an impression? Now, we need to keep giving fuel. Sorry to Jared to mention you again. But we need to give, keep giving fuel to you guys who are in the marketplace and keep adding to you because you are going to do much of it. But there's something that we can do corporately together. Are you hearing me tonight? We need to embrace the new thing. God, prophetically, what are you saying? And we must keep the cross at the center of it all. There are some compromises that we will have to make because there are going to be some things that you're going to look on and say, I don't like the evangelistic endeavors and the reason why you don't like it is because it's not what you used to do. There is no reason to not like something. Are you hearing me? What we must make sure is in its rootedness is that there is a communication of Jesus who can change lives. Hello? I'll move on. Thirdly, there needs to be a passion for prayer. We have to work as though everything depends on us. That's why I'm so grateful that 
people have been coming out and working at Lehman Street and serving some of you guys as well who are a little bit older. Please pace yourselves. I'm serious tonight. I don't want any funerals. Funerals are banned for 15, 20 years in the life of Arena Church. Are you hearing me? No, I'm serious. I don't want to be conducting funerals. So please pace yourself. You know who I'm talking to. Please pace yourself. In your enthusiasm, we get your enthusiasm. We get that. But please pace yourself. Some of you younger guys, you've got no excuse. (laughs) So step it up. Because these guys used to do it. They used to do it. That's why they do it. I'm serious. It's time for us to step up into all that God has for us. But we need to, I don't know how I got onto that, but we need to have a passion. Yeah, work as though everything depends on you. And pray like everything depends on God. I know it's a well-coined phrase, but it's so true. Pray like everything depends on God. So then prayer doesn't become a chore. Prayer becomes a lifeline. Because God, I'm mindful, it all depends on you. This church is going to fall to bits, God, if you don't step in. Lehman Street is going to be an absolute failure if you don't step in. How are we going to raise the money that we need unless you step in? How are the people going to be saved unless you step in? Are you hearing the heart of me? A passion for prayer. We're not stupid and think, oh, we'll do our creative evangelistic endeavors and we can make it happen. No, we want to pray. While I'm on that, we want to fast. want to fast. Fourthly, a passion for generously living. A passion for generously living. It came through actually in what Jesus said to the twelve. You have been treated generously, so live generously. I don't need to say much more on that. There are some of you who have been incredibly generous. And I encourage you to keep being generous. Because you know what will happen is we are going to see, because all healthy things grow. So I'm absolutely confident that we're going to see hundreds and thousands of people over Arena Church in these coming days. Phil and I might not even be the leaders of it at that point, but we are setting it up for thousands, okay? And I want to say to you that if we will model generosity, we won't have an issue with people coming in, being generous, because they'll be embarrassed by their lack of generosity. Have you ever been somewhere where you've been, you know, you've been, been a bit tight and somebody's just been over the top? You're just embarrassed by their generosity. And what does it make you do? Put your hand in your pocket. Yeah? Has anybody ever experienced that? I want to encourage us to live generously. A passion for generous living. And I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about the whole package of just generously encouraging there's some of you here have a great grace of encouragement. I really want that to be more and more on my life. I've got huge strides to make, but I want to see things that others might not see. Because part of those who are really encouraging, they see things that other people don't see. But we need to be generous in every aspect of our life, with our words, the things that we say to one another. And don't get all, you know, crazy on me, but even just... You're looking great tonight. And I'm not talking about being smarmy or being... But just that whole sense of, you're looking great. You know, 
That, I want to tell you, that does something to people. Does it do something to you? It does something to all of us. You may say, well, that's a bit egotistical. No, it's not. It's just encouraging. I heard that um, both Chris and Helen were outstanding this morning. And, I, and, I, and I, I got Helen, and then I went straight to Chris. He can bear me out. I said, did you enjoy it? Yeah, I heard you, re- you did really, really well straight away. I just wanted to just say it, say it to them. I'm thrilled when I read on Twitter that our younger guys, some of them are here. They're doing so well. I'm thrilled by that. Genuinely thrilled. Passion for generous living. Let's move quickly. Number five. Are you still with me? These are some of the things that we need to keep the main thing the main thing. A passion for living beyond ourselves. Why am I saying this? I'm saying it very intentionally because Ilkeston and Mansfield, both communities... Please hear me out here. I can talk of, as a Mansfield lad and as a man who's lived in and around Ilkeston now for 13 years. So I think I have a little bit, not of a right. I can say this. Yeah, I understand it. If we're not careful, there's a small-minded mindset that can operate around those communities. So people don't travel away. They stay where they are. They work. They live. You know, they raise the kids. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. Many of you have done that. They die, and it rolls on and rolls on and rolls on. Okay? And that's fine, but it can get us locked in like a mindset, a smaller mindset. So we just keep things small, because small is beautiful. I want to say that's the biggest lie that the devil has sown in the church in the 20th century. Small is beautiful. Small is not beautiful. Big is beautiful. Now, I'll come on to that in a moment, because in the midst of the bigness, we need to have smallness, and I will come on to that in a moment. But we need to have a passion for living beyond ourselves, which is always overstretching. Arena Church will always be overstretching. We'll never live within the constraints of our resource limitations. I don't want us to think small. I want us to think big. I want us to pray big. I want us to dream big. I want the young people, I loved it, Josh... When he launched TMP, he gave me this flyer on it. And I, I eyebrowed him at the time because he says we're going to see a thousand in a year. And I said, mate, can you remember when the conversation? I said, mate, do you understand what you've just written on there? I didn't want to dampen his enthusiasm. This is what I didn't want to do. I says, but a thousand people from zero to a thousand. That's a big ask. Well, I feel I want to put it on there. I said, that's fine, mate. You go for it. Let that be something that you just go towards. Now, I want to say they've done an amazing job with TMP. Done an absolutely amazing job with TMP. And over the years, but I want to, what I, what the point of what I'm trying to make is I don't want to dampen any enthusiasm. Because actually, I can learn something from that. Because where we're dreaming of a thousand, they're dreaming of tens of thousands. But equally, there needs to be the wisdom that comes actually, guys, just draw this back a little bit because you can end up with something on your face. It's called egg if you ain't careful. And it's working together. It's working together. Which leads me on to my next point, a passion for a multi-generational expression. Arena Church loves multi-generational church. I love it when we have a Jared or we have a Jake this morning breaking bread. And I also love it last month that we had John Roberts at 80 breaking bread. I had so much feedback about John, positively. It was just wonderful. 
And uh, I just love that multi-generational expression, young and old. I love that old delirious song where the young and old will turn to Jesus. It's a prophetic song, that is. It might be a bit old now, but the young and old will turn to Jesus. You see, very often we can focus our attention on young people, and we must. But equally, there's a generation that are going to a lostless eternity without Jesus. And we need to have some creativity how we're going to reach some of our older people. And again, Sandra and Barry and others that are involved in Friendship Plus and all those kinds of things, this building is going to give us an opportunity as we just keep growing to just reach out and just, and there's other things that are going to come in our hearts to just reach out to people who are far away from Christ. But my point is, we need to have a passion for a multi-generational expression. Now, let me just say that, that sounds wonderful. Oh, is that wonderful? Young and old. You'll each get on each other's nerves. Massively. Because the younger guys will want really loud music. And if you think this is loud, this ain't loud. This is low. I've got two teenagers. I have the radio on a third of the way. I can hear their music in the back of my car more than I can hear the radio. And it's on their headphones. And I say, please turn it down and say, it's not loud, Dad. I want to say, in this multi-generational expression... There are some attitudes that you may not understand. There's some things that I don't understand about the older person. And there are some things that I don't understand about the 18 to 30. But I'm just determined to understand the generations. Someone once said, to be understood, you have to first understand. It's all about listening. To be understood, you have to first understand. And if we're going to have a multi-generational expression, some of you older people have got to learn to understand this generation. You say, well, I don't understand it. Well, you've got to first understand it to be understood yourself. Some of you younger guys, you've got to do much better at this, at understanding some of what other people are saying to you and not dismiss it of what they haven't got a clue. I want to tell you, we have. We have got a clue. We have got a clue. We've got a lot to say. And you need to understand it. Because if you want to be understood, you've got to first understand. That means you've got to enter their world and we've got to enter their... You understand this? It's very complex. It's a very complex challenge to us. And that's why most churches determine to say, no, I'm going to have a church that's just for 18s to 30s. Because it's dead easy, that is. Or I'm going to have a church for 50s up. It's dead easy because you understand. And I'm saying, actually, no, we're thrown. We don't want that. We prophetically, we want a multi-generational church. This is an expression of the towns in which we live. Because this town is not London or Manchester or Birmingham, full of young people with a lot of universities. It has a cross-section of multi-generational ages and demographics. And I want to reach them all in Jesus' name. Anybody with me? So a passion for a multi-generational expression. Number six, I don't know how I am. Seven, I don't know how I am on time. We want to have a passion for every person living out their God-ordained gifts. I'll just say on that, we want empowerment and release in the context of a loving authority and accountability. I'll say that again, a passion for every person living out their God-ordained gifts. Let me just say, you have a gift. This is all the continuation of the journey. If you haven't got, don't know what your gift is, I'd encourage you to come and speak to the, the leaders. Christine can help you with some surveys, some gift uh, uh, assessments, because 
Every one of us has a gift. Young and old, you have a gift. And if you are not contributing it to Arena Church, you must start contributing. Bring your gift because every one of us have it. And I want to tell you, we want to see that empowerment. We want to see that release in a loving authority and accountability. So, so it's not a free-for-all. Julie just happened to say something to me about a context that was happening. And there was a conversation that needed to be had. I'm being very careful with somebody. Because they were doing something in the context of church and service and whatever. You may say, well, that's a bit controlling. No, it's not controlling. It's just about being accountable and living under authority. So if somebody says, please don't do that, there's a reason why they're saying, please don't do that. But equally, we're not trying to control people. We want you to release. We want you to fly. We want you to soar like an eagle. We want you to be the very best that you can possibly be. If your ministry is baking cakes, bring them on. Egg custards, bring them on in Jesus' name. Oh, I feel the anointing for egg custards. If your gift is welcoming, then welcome to the very best. If your gift is being a musician, then do that. If your gift is with figures, then please do that. If your gift is to communicate, then please do that. You get the point. Whatever your gift is, but it has to be done with with authority and accountability. That's where most people, I'm getting, they pick the ball up and they go in. Because as soon as you say, you're not doing, no, I'm going. I'm laying these principles, you're hearing me. Just laying them in. Phil, where am I? A passion for community. A passion for community. Oh my goodness. I could spend the rest of the night here. I really could. You know, there's two things when I think of community. And interestingly, both things are just stirring more and more in me. They're getting deeper and deeper in me. The first thing is we are called to feed the hungry and care for the broken. We're really off church. We've missed it. We've missed it. We've missed it. We've missed it. I think of the times, and Phil and I are traveling to Slovakia next week. Next week? Flipping heck. Next week. So please pray for us. Particularly if we're sharing a room, because I snore. So, oh, you snore as well. We're all right. Okay, we'll snore together. We'll, we'll be like Paul and Silas. Hey! The doors will come off. Yeah, I knew. But Slovakia. You know, I think of some of the things, and one of the things I want to say to him is he needs to just create community, a community program. He needs to get involved, not just opening the Bible. He needs to get involved in the community. That's where I was, that's where I was going, because it's just more and more in me. We went at church this morning, and we weren't backsliding. We just traveled back late, and we just enjoyed a lazy morning, and that's allowed. And I just happened to flick on the God channel, which is very, very unusual for me. But I flicked on, I was, wanted to watch it immediately when I saw it. It was Jensen Franklin, Kingdom Connection. And he just said at the end, which really, tr- it was a great message, great message. And Caroline came in and said, did you hear that? <laughs> I thought, yeah, she wanted me to hear that. Yeah, I heard it. I heard it. And he said, when we set up our television ministry, he says, I asked the Lord, and he said it was very successful. He said, I asked the Lord, why were we doing it? The Lord said to him, there's two things. 
Number one is to preach the gospel. Boy, that, boy, that guy can preach, and he can preach the gospel. He's a quality bloke. He is a quality bloke. And the second thing he said about was the Lord said to him, Jensen, he reminded me, that the ministry, the, the money that came through the ministry, none of it was to be used for salaries. None of it was used to be used for personal gain. It was to be used to mend the broken hearts of people. So in Oklahoma, they've just given her a quarter of a million pounds of diapers, nappies, food, 7,000 meals right into Oklahoma where houses have been, and they showed it. They gave five of these Arctic truckloads of stuff going in. And I was impacted again, Phil. I thought, dear God, this is what my life was meant to be about. Touching the community. Healing broken hearts. Dysfunctionality that's all around us. A passion for the community. What is our community needing? Where is our community most hurting? These are two questions that are just buzzing around in me at the minute. And our hearts need to break increasingly for these things. But when I think about community, I also think the other side of the coin is community of, to me as a group of small groups. I'm so thankful that there's a great group that has arisen in Mansfield. Good number that turn out. Really great reports. We're believing that we're going to increase those numbers. We're going to have small groups all around Mansfield. I can see, you know, like on those boards. It used to be one in Mansfield. You'd press the board and the lights had come up. I don't know where it was. It's just a flashback there. There used to be as a kid. You'd press the thing and it'd light up. But I'm believing. You know, you know the picture when you, and it, lights come up. I'm believing that small groups. Caroline and I have been incredibly impacted by that phrase, the table. So people gathering around the table. Communities. So we've got this big church but small church. And uh, a passion for community. Are you getting it? So there are going to be some things. Lastly, a passion for honouring of our leaders and the guarding of unity. Passion for honouring of our leaders. You may say, well, that's a bit rich. You're one of the leaders. I understand that, but it hasn't always been there. Not, I've never felt, felt that, actually. I felt incredibly honoured by the, 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 the leaders. But there's more work to be done. If I can be as bold, this man has not always been honoured by his leaders. And thank God that we are bringing a change and we need to keep bringing change and more to that because there's more to come. And again, it's something that people smell a mile off. It's not being sickly. It's not being bowing down at leaders' feet. I can't stand genuinely any of that rubbish. But there needs to be an honouring of leaders and a garden of unity. All I want to use is this phrase, trudging and wedging. Remember it? I'll never forget it. A passion for the garden of unity. I remember Liz being here when Paul preached that, and there was an, I just, it lives in my mind. You went like this. When the devil comes, you just rain. You did this. This is what we need. Not to one another. You are not coming in here. You're not saying anything about Julie. You will not say that about Julie. You'll not say that about John. How dare you say that about Jared? Don't you dare. Have you said it to them? Well, don't say it to me. Are you hearing me? Yeah. A garden of unity. Tell you, nothing can stop it. That's the kind of church that Jesus said, and I will build my church, and nothing will stop it. That's what Jesus saw. Not this, well, you can say what you want, oh, yeah, or we don't say anything, so you're agreeing with them. 
Oh, that fairly went on. No, Christian, he went on far too long. What am I to done? But, yeah, don't you say that. He's my pastor and I'm not having you say, don't, no, you don't say that about him. Are you hearing me? And we say it about one another. Because we'd say it about you. So there are nine passions. I want to tell you, this is not going to be the last time that we'll use this stadium. I know we're here next week. But I am seeing, praying, and believing that the next time Arena Church uses these facilities, it'll be to take the stadium. Yeah, I do. I do, honestly. I do, honestly. I do, honestly. As soon as I wrote that down, I thought, God, do I really have to write that down? Yeah, I really felt it strongly. Because I can see thousands of people worshipping, praising, and praying. Praying. Lifting up the name of Jesus in this community. It may not just be Arena Church. Let's believe it's the church together. But I'm believing for God to do great things. Amen? Amen. Phil, will you finish up?